0: Hey, you all. Welcome to Active and Connected Families. You all, Virginia Family Therapy, which is the group practice associated with this podcast, is hiring new therapists in our Arlington Alexandria office. It's my hometown. The office is nestled in a beautiful community with tons of trees for great walk and talks. So anyone you know in mental health, please let us know. We're looking for good, smart, relatable therapists. They can find out more about these openings at www.virginiafamilytherapy.com. And today on the podcast, we have my old friend, Jason Frischman back to talk about men's mental health. Jason is a licensed clinical psychologist and men's coach whose practice, the Journeyman Foundation, guides men to uncover meaning, presence, and fun at home, in their community, and at work. He introduces us to the idea of the man box in this podcast, which illustrates the collective socialization of men. So in the man box, men are expected to be strong, successful, powerful, dominating, fearless, in control, and emotionless. So we start talking about this concept, and then we discuss the ways that men and women can work together to allow men out of this box. I love this conversation because Jason has always really thought about things from the men's perspective. He's a true expert and I tend to think about things from the women's perspective and together I think we come up with some great strategies for how both genders can work together to empower each other to become happier and healthier. Thank you so much for listening and please let us know what you think about this conversation. Have a great day. and Connected Families is a smart, relatable conversation with me, Dr. Amanda Sovig-Johnston, child psychologist, mother of three, and entrepreneur. I've spent my career providing family therapy and supporting high-achieving mothers, and maybe even more hours with my girlfriends trying to figure out how we can all feel more confident in our work and our relationships. And you all, there's one thing I've noticed— We're all struggling in some of the same places and we're all looking for some down-to-earth advice that we can actually use. So on Active and Connected Families, I'll share some of the insights I've learned, strategies for those daily fights about laundry, some expert perspective on the bigger issues like the mental health crisis, and me chatting with my therapist friends about how we can all feel a little more active and connected in our lives. Throughout, I hope to make you laugh at least once but I know I'll leave you with something that'll help you become a better parent and maybe even person. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, Jason. Hey, Amanda. How are you doing today? I am good. I am really glad you are here because I'm excited about this new topic that we're bringing up around raising young men and raising boys. And the second I had the idea, I was like, I got to get Jason on the podcast to talk about it for us.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, I'm glad you reached out. It was uh it's been a while since we've connected and we always have good conversations, so for sure.
0: So I figure we can start with the status of mental health of men. Because when we're talking about raising boys, I think we have to think about where are men now so that we can know what we should keep doing and what we maybe need to shift a little bit. So talk to me about the mental health of men and I'm talking about, you know, 35 and above people who are in their families living their family life right now?
1: You know, it's so, it's so hard because to make a generalization like that seems impossible. And yet, you know, I've been doing this for 25 years. I have men in my psychotherapy office and I have men in my coaching practice. And I do get such thematic repetition of, 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 things they come in with, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I did a talk the other day that I started out giving some quotes from men in my practice. And the f- one that kind of stopped the room more than anyone else, and I I can't tell you how often I hear it in my office, but men will tell me, "I if my wife left me, I'd have no one to tell. That to me is such a, a thematic thing around men's mental health. And it's interesting because it's not... Depression, anxiety, irritation, you know, anger tolerance, all the buzzwords.
0: Mm-hmm. But it
1: is evident of the disconnection that I think men feel. And I, I know it. I see like the, at the core of much of men's health or, or unhealth, you know, of, of mental difficulties is disconnection. And so all of those men, actually, I'm thinking about four of them who have said those exact words. If my wife left me, I'd have no one to tell. Every one of them would say they have friends. Every one of them would say, oh, yeah, I have guys I'd go out and have a beer with. There's guys I, you know, hang out with on a Saturday and watch a game with. And there's guys that I enjoy sitting around the fire with. But none of them would talk about the deep, sensitive Emotional things that you would you'd think, right? Like you'd think your wife left, they'd be the first person to call, right? And so, to me, the basic foundation of of difficulties with men is disconnection, and that starts, you know, talking about raising boys, that starts, you know, in childhood. So so frequently.
0: Well. That's good because the name of this podcast, and we didn't even mean to get here, is Active and Connected Families. So this is perfect. So, talk to me about the disconnection that men are feeling. Are they feeling lonely, or is that, do they equate the two of those together?
1: Do you think men are in this culture and in sort of the men's culture allow themselves to actually feel lonely? You know, I think a lot of men that I work with, if we get to it, they feel lonely. But in the surface and in the the the, you know, even if they'd if they were asked, they'd say no. You know, it's not about lonely. They're too busy. They have what they need. They don't care that much. Like there's this a cultured um, story that men have where you know we work. We, our family is enough, you know. We, and and the, the, you know, we're too busy. You know, we we. I mean, myself, right? Like I was telling you, we were talking right before. You know, I get up, see my clients, Absolutely. have like yep. a couple hours with the family, and then they go to bed, and then what? Right. That being said, you know, I have. I mean, a a a single piece of homework I give. You know, many of the work guys I work with is once. Once a week, once a month, doesn't matter. On a regular basis, you are to have a night out. By yourself, with friends, doesn't matter. Just go out. But I don't have time. But I could, you know, these men have this false sense. And I don't think they're lying, but I think they think that if they were to do that, the household would fall apart. When the truth of the matter is many of them aren't actually doing that much in the household anyway. And so there is this, (laughs) there's this need to be there, which is great. You know, we, we have this sense of like, I'm there for the family, I'm there. And yet, you know, they're, you know, swiping right or left, they're disengaged Mm -hmm. with in one way or another, they're having, you know, uh, a couple of drinks in the end in the evening that, you know, whatever it is, they're disengaged, but they have to be there.
0: So that's interesting to me, because when I talk with my girlfriends, many times we we say, man, we wish our husbands would go out for one night a month or one night a week. We wish they would, because we know. So what gets in the way, do you think?
1: Um, you know, uh, just, well, to start that, I think even the guys that I work with would say that they'd say, yeah, no, my, my wife would encourage me to do it. So there is, um, they, they're not, you know, I would say as a whole men are not blaming the wives. I, I certainly, I put that out there. It, they, they, I think there is this unspoken or sometimes spoken, but really sort of it's in the air in our culture that like, that's not what men do. <laughs> We you know how many men do I know personally yes. professionally that like they don't do the social engagement they like have couples friends cuz their wives have friends or you know they, they don't do that maybe they've got a couple old buddies from when they were young that they talk to on Facebook or you know things like that but it's just not what we do right you know I want to get projects done on the weekend I want to, you know, I'll hang out with my kids and then, you know, hang out with my wife or whatever. But like, I, I we, there's this rugged, individualistic, sort of independent theme for men that I don't even know if we're aware of anymore. Right. There is some research. Uh, I don't know if you've heard the term the man box. It's never a, it's a, tell me about it's that. It's a really important term. It's, there's been re- some research that's been done. Um, I, well, I can send it to you, but I forget who put it out originally. But basically, it's this, you know, it is the way of describing the sort of traits and um, components of what it is to be a man, especially in our culture. But it's actually mm-hmm. been researched in the United States and in the UK. It's been researched in Mexico. And it's this idea, is it's sort of seven different traits. You know, men are self-sufficient. They are tough, strong, and aggressive. They are physically attractive. They are. They have. They follow sort of rigid masculine gender roles. They are heterosexuals, and they have some level of homophobia. Right. They are very much into heteronormative um, beliefs. They are hypersexual. You know, sex is important. Period.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: they are sort of aggressive and sort of focused on control and dominance.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Mm -hmm. And these are vast generalizations. And I will say to, you know, any listeners, you know, this is, these are big categories and they show up in small, small ways. So, you know, even as I'm reading that, I'm going, oh God, these are such, such generalizations. And I know so many men who just aren't, they aren't like that and they would disagree with it, but on in very small, subtle ways. Like if you take any one of those things and make them as subtle as possible, most men fall into it on one level, another, unless they've done this kind of work where mm-hmm. they're aware of their own biases. They're aware of kind of the, the, the energy they give off or the, the actions that they take when it comes to their partners or, you know, whatever it is. But those sort of seven components consist of, or, or sort of they are the elements of being in the man box. And the research has shown is that the there is a direct component or a direct um uh, relationship between how solidly you're in the man box and things like isolation loneliness uh-huh. depression suicidality um you know uh anger and aggression like people there was this uh, research that was done i was reading before we got on the more connected men are with sort of man box elements the more likely they are to both have been a victim of and a perpetrator of bullying so going back to raising boys how important is that right like Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: and so and there's lots of different examples like that where every time i read it i get a little bit of trills because we can by changing the story of masculinity we can really truly change sort of the reality for many boys. I mean, as you know, I started my career working almost exclusively with really, really challenging boys who, you know, exhibited this stuff because it was all they were ever given.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that it's not men's fault that they believe in the man box. And I'm, sh- and women believe in the man box too, because we are all raised in America in a patriarchy. There's a flavor of white supremacy and the man box is directly related to that. So part of it is if we want to push the boundaries of white supremacy and and, and fight oppression, we all need to be understanding what this man box is because it's going to be up to us as a collective to fight the individualistic nature of the man box.
1: I'm actually really glad you said that because it's a conversation I've been having a lot, both with men and my wife. Because of course, what's, please keep what's talking. So,
0: we need to be talking.
1: <laughs> I mean, what's so important about this is, you know, I have all these men who are really, you know, trying to do it differently, trying to rewrite the story of masculinity. And I've heard, you know, this week alone, or actually last week, that, you know, last week <laughs> alone, I heard from four different men who said, you know, when I do show emotions or when I do show quote softness at least half the time my wife doesn't know what to do with me and gets angry about it so now all of a sudden I've tried to change and like they don't know how to to support me or how to you know how to to really encourage this kind of behavior because and I've heard this from like quite liberal couples who tell Mm -hmm. me like yeah i want this i want i want them to be vulnerable that's the the big buzzword in men's work and it, it, there's a whole thing about being vulnerable that i don't like but the idea of like men changing the way that they like stepping out of the man box right being
0: mm-hmm.
1: being in partnership and connection rather than dominance and control for example right but then as soon as that happens there are a lot of women and this is not a vast generalization other than saying I have heard this from lots and lots of clients who then don't know what to do with their men and who have expected, mm-hmm. like, who at the same time, like be soft, but be hard when I need you and be soft when, when it's okay. Like when everything else is all right, then you can be soft. But if things, if, she, if Blake hits the fan, we need you. And Absolutely. it's a message that's really hard for men.
0: And I think, I think, Shifts in this man box, in the behaviors that a man would be bringing to a relationship are understandably going to make men and women anxious because we have been taught that this is how it's supposed to be. So to be honest with you, for the women that are listening to this, if you feel anxious about a change that your husband is making, it's actually probably a good thing. It's probably a good thing, so when you feel that anxiety coming up, which of course you're going to, we know our roles we're asking everybody to shift them a little bit so men can get a little more connected. you are going to feel anxious and know that that means that good change can be coming our way.
1: Oh, it's a great point. I mean, one of the things that I've said for years initially with when I worked with kids and now when I'm working with men is you know when there's that discomfort and disruptive energy. If you can stop, grab each other's hands and just stop for a minute. Like we're in this together. We will get through this, but it's hard, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's there there's a hurricane coming. Let's stop first and go, we're together. We can get through this, right? And it involves like, yeah, there are certainly – certain things like, you know, ch- coming out of the man box or changing your roles or changing your story doesn't, you know, I am the one who chops the wood in my house. No matter how out of the man box I am, I will probably do that. I love doing it. Um, you know, my my wife doesn't want to stay up late and do it like I do it. Like, there are some stereo, like, here's the
0: place. I where- would never be that person, Jason. I would never be chopping wood. <laughs>
1: Exactly. Well, and and no, and absolutely and frankly, you know, I and and this is this is an interesting thing. I've been married 100 years and I think I've done laundry once.
0: Mhm.
1: Okay. And mm-hmm. and so and we have conversations about that. That's the difference, right? It isn't that there are specific traits that are masculine or feminine or jobs that are masculine or feminine. It's how are we navigating these traits and jobs? I mean, right now my wife and I are in a very traditional gender role thing where I am doing more of the whole the, the 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 paid work and she's doing more of the homework and that's because we've navigated it that way that's because mm-hmm. we've chosen to do that I also do more cooking than she does and she does more like of the fixing of things than I do right and so it, it, it what has to happen is this like we are gonna navigate this as partners rather than as um in, in any sort of dominance relationship.
0: Or even just knowing that this exists, that the man box exists, that these roles exist, knowledge around those is power and then communicating about those becomes powerful. We're taking the power back from the expectation when we can communicate about it and see it right in front of us. Whether And then we can choose it because we want to.
1: And that, yes. And that, that makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. Because choice is empowering Choice is is connecting choice, you know? And so when we create partnerships, we give each other choices, even if it feels like there isn't a choice, like I got to get this done. Okay. And what can we do here? How can we, how can we engage in this behavior or this, how can we get this job done or whatever it is? How can we do it together?
0: If you are enjoying this episode and want more mental health support for you or your family, visit us at www.virginiafamilytherapy.com. We're a mental health practice with offices in Lynchburg, Charlottesville, and Northern Virginia, and we provide teletherapy across Virginia and North Carolina. We offer psychiatry, individual, child, and family therapy, and even have some after-school appointments available. Again, that's www.virginia, spelled out, familytherapy.com. Thanks so much for listening. So talk to me about this connection more because I look at the studies around connection and community and I know that people who feel connected to someone at their work are significantly happier and live longer. So if you have a work bestie, you're going to live longer. I know that if you're connected to people of multiple generations, you're going to live longer. Connection is the key to health and happiness and living a long life because we're happy and healthy. So how can we actually, does that, does that man need to be more connected to their wife, more connected to other people? What does that look like when we're talking about that connection?
1: I mean the answer is yes. <laughs> and uh-huh. I think, you know, it, it it what does it look like? You know, I think there's a um we have to start with sort of meaningful connections, right? You know, because I think like I mentioned earlier, a lot of guys will say, well, "I've got friends." And mm-hmm. they may be meaningful in that they've got their lo- they have got longevity. But again, you know, if if life goes to pieces and, and well, I'll we'll start with that. If life goes to pieces, who are you going to call? Right. And mm-hmm. that's an important piece. So there's a meaningful connection there, but equally so if life is really going beautifully well, who's there next to you. Right. Mm-hmm. So who are you celebrating with? Who are, you know, who are you spending life's sort of rituals and rhythms with? Right. And if it's, only because it's like what we do every year, then let's rethink that, right? So the connection has to look like, you know, we're able to um, find meaning in conversation, in action. You know, I have one guy, we get together fairly regularly, mostly because we're so busy. So we created a project for ourselves and we do mm-hmm. well with projects and that's, you know, maybe gendered, maybe not, but we'll be sitting there truly like with chainsaws and like once an hour turn them off and and chat about like what's going on with our kids and our wives and and like you know more meaningful conversations with a chainsaw in my hand than i've had like you know just kind of hanging out and so it's that sense of like it's in many ways when we're younger we have lots of free time right where we're even mm-hmm. even like young people like say pre-kids maybe even in relationships but you've got a lot more free time so you're seeing people regularly, going out a couple nights a week, you're doing all those things. And then in this age group of like, we're married, we've got kids, we're jobs, we're busy. Mm-hmm. You know, I might see someone, actually, you know, there's a group of people who I see once a year in New Year's, but I've seen them mm-hmm. once a year for New Year's. And our New Year's is usually three to four days we're long. We rent a house together, we spend time together, but we've been doing it for over 20 years. And so- we sit and like do nothing but like talk and eat and play games. And it's intense and it's meaningful and it's it's a holiday and it's expected. It's, it, it's one of those things where what has to happen is there has to be um, meaning in the connection, regularity in the connection. And it doesn't it matter not. if it's once a year, but some sort of rhythm to the connection. Um, and then the last piece is that the connection has to feel nourishing. Right. It's it's gotta be a give and take. It's gotta be, you know, you feel nourished as a result of spending time with that person. And so yeah, that that's a tough one for men.
0: <laughs> so I know that it's mostly women that listen to this podcast, right? Like I'm not gonna pretend like there are tons of men out there listening to me, but maybe there are, right? Maybe there are a lot of men listening to me. So, I hope so. I hope so. I do hope so. Um, but I know Robert doesn't listen to me, which is fine. He hears me all the time. <laughs> um, so knowing those three things, can you say them again? And then can you say how wives can support our men in those things, even though it's not our job, it is their job to do it. But what can we do to support those three pieces? And can you say what they are again? All
1: right. So the three pieces uh, are you know, meaningful or, or meaning in the connection, regularity or, or some sort of sense of rhythm to it. Like it's, ex, there's an expected connection, right? And uh, the last one was nourishing. So it's got to, it's got to fill you in some way or another. Right. And mm-hmm. so it's, it's funny. Cause you see, you mentioned, you said it's not our job. And no, of course not. It isn't. And so it's almost, you know, I'm hesitant to even say, hey, hey, wives, you got to do this for your husband because yes. it isn't your job. Um, but that being said, um, it's a great question. You know, I think one is sort of continue to do, I think, what you and lots of other women are doing, which is make space and be okay with it, right? Like like verbally, it's all right. Go out with your friends. Right? Like, that's Mm -hmm. cool. Go for it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, perhaps guys need a bigger kick in the ass, which is also, hey, I need you to do this.
0: (laughs) I need you to do this. And I'm going to add from this I can imagine that some women, based on media or history, get anxious when their husbands go out with a group of men and drink because in their mind, they're like, they're going to a strip club or they're out there flirting with other women i don't i actually don't think men are doing that i think they're probably done with women by the time they're out um and so if we feel that anxiety as women that's our job to take care of because we can't expect our husbands to not connect with other people because of our own anxiety about that piece
1: yeah absolutely but that also is really important is you know we go back to the man box the tighter in the man box, um, uh, an individual sort of man and his behaviors are, the more likely there is some sort of acting out, there is likely some sort of, you know, and but, oh. but the problem, well, and that's what what's hard is that like, and it doesn't have to mean cheating or, you know, whatever, but it's that sense of and this is where I think, and this is, <laughs> this is to go back to your question about what can women do. So I'm going to skip what I was about to say, I'll go back to it but really what is important is a connection a foundation connection at home when men are connected at home with their kids with their partners you know with the sort of meaning making of being at home that is inherently stepping out of the man box which means when i go off and 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 do whatever i'm going to do with my men there's a better sense of trust. There's a, you know, if I'm feeling Mm -hmm. more connected and, and partnered with my wife, then there's no need for her to be that worried about whatever I'm going to do, or at least there's less need, right? Like I am going to be more transparent. I'm going to be more conversational. I'm going to be sharing more. I'm going to, you know, all of those things that are typically not masculine, right? I'm just going out with the guys, right? When, when that's, you know, like, <laughs> I go every year, go camping with these same guys who I spend New Year's with. New Year's is with all the families, and once a year we go camping. And like, my wife will tease me and she's like, Oh, how is your men's group? Because most of what our weekend is, we don't go hiking anymore. We sit around a fire and talk like eight hours a day. Maybe we go fishing for like an hour and we say that we went fishing, you know? <laughs> and like, you know, and, 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 and like, there's that sense of, okay. That's vital for me. That's something that, mm-hmm. that I need. That's something that mm-hmm. I really need. And there's a comfort in, you know, when I'm connected with my, my wife, with Shauna, then we know that she isn't my everything. She isn't, you know, she's my best friend. She's my partner. She's whatever. But, um, you know, she doesn't serve every purpose for my entire social needs and my, you know, she doesn't serve that. You know, my favorite example of that mm-hmm. was back in grad school. My wife does not like horror movies. She does not like thrillers. She doesn't like that. And I love stupid horror films. And back in in, in grad school, there was a woman who I was very good friends with who loved horror films. And my wife and I used to joke, like she was my horror movie girlfriend. And there was no concern. There was no mm-hmm. worry because my wife was never going to be my horror movie girlfriend, you know? Um, and it was okay because we had a partnership that there was no problem with it. So to answer the question is connecting at home is the foundational piece where, you know, men have made this, you know, we are, I'm living at home. I'm with my wife, I'm with my kids. So let's make that the, the strongest foundation possible because then I can go off and and, and have you know, grand adventures every day and know that my home is my, is my base.
0: And I hear that. And I think two things, number one, I'm seeing a lot more work around the 80, 20 marriage, which is essentially, you know, we're getting 20% of what we need from our marriage and 80% outside of our marriage. And and I don't, Mm. I haven't read the book, but I think the idea is, is We should be getting our needs fulfilled outside of our marriage, but we need that 20% very solid, exactly what you're saying, in order to be able to do things safely outside of our marriage. And we need to be, as women, softly inviting our partners in to running the home, being a partner in the home, welcoming into that in a loving way so that they can be connected to those decisions and feel nourished in the home so that they can go outside and feel nourished in their other relationships as well.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, that is, you know, cursorily referential to my favorite topic, which is this idea of, you know, there's the man box conversation. But for me, the biggest piece of sort of culture that has been, I think, troubling and difficult for men is this story called the hero's journey, right? It mm-hmm. is this idea that you know, as wildly independent, strong, fierce men, it's our job to go off and get the riches and do all the things, and then come home and be the provider of our for our family, right? And typically, going off and getting the riches is epic. It's legendary, right? It's like you're the hero.
0: And the truth mm-hmm. be
1: told, most men, most people are not battling dragons every day. We are not, you know, that's not what everyday life is. And so mm-hmm. with men, as, you know, we have seen throughout the in our entire life, you know, all of our blockbuster movies, all of the shows, all there are some version of the hero goes off, battles the dragon, gets the gold, comes back and like saves the universe. And if that's the only story or... Pretty much the only story that we've been shown from from childhood, then that's the model that men are being shown as to what a hero is. That's the model of what men need to do to get looked up to by their kids, to be loved by their wives and the princesses and the damsels. You know, that's our job is to go be legendary.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And if we're not, if we're just a schlump going to the office and coming home and like not knowing what to do because we don't know how to use the laundry machine. Then all of a sudden, what are we, right? Like I would say after 20 years working with men, that has been a central piece to why men are more anxious, why men are more depressed, why men are more isolated. It's like, I'm not good enough. Who am I, right? There's Mm -hmm. imposter syndrome. There's all of these things and all, you know, even, and I see this, you know, you wouldn't expect it perhaps, but I see it from incredibly successful business people, people who make a lot of money, Right. But then they come home and they're lost. They don't have that strong foundational base to come back to. And, you know, the thing that has been missing in the hero's journey, right? You got the hero goes off in Battles of the Dragon. We don't ever hear about them spending years practicing with a sword before they do it. We maybe get mm-hmm. a three-minute montage of like
0: mm-hmm. training, right? Yes, of the karate kid. Yes, the karate kid. Think yeah. about it. You're getting like, that's exactly what we're talking about. Okay.
1: Yeah. And so if you get, if every story we've been told forever, your training, your foundation, your connection is relegated to a three-minute montage just to support you going off and doing grand things, then as a culture, it shows what we value. And that has to change.
0: Absolutely. Because also what happens is when you go do something that hard, you've given everything to your grand battle. And so when you come home, you're so exhausted. How could you be, how could you do anything else? Because honestly, in that, in that story, you are that exhausted after what we've done, after what you've done, but you're not really doing a grand battle every day, but we haven't taught men what to do at home.
1: Right. And we haven't told them what to do at home. We haven't, you know, someone recently just in hearing me talk about this, someone was like, you know, you really do need to go talk to bigger businesses because Big corporations actually have yeah. this down. They're actually really good at making processes and, you know, uh, procedures and things like that. And that's what, that's kind of where the magic is. Cause we all know if you have all that down, you're free to be epic. You're free to be connected.
0: That's what you're saying about your New Year's trip is it's already planned. You know what you're doing. It is routine. So yes. there is safety in that. You don't have to plan it, which is why, honestly, a Tuesday night bowling is the easiest, greatest way for, for men to make this happen because it is routine. Women do that with their book clubs all the time. Their walking clubs, their pickleball. That's what we're doing is we're planning it and putting it in the routine because that's the only way we will make it happen
1: absolutely and and to me, you know some of the research and the work that I've done is sort of the evolution of routine, right? because um, you know, well, I'll ask you right just off the cuff, what do you think the difference between a routine and a rhythm is?
0: A routine is one day, a rhythm seems to me to be kind of over a feeling over a longer period of time.
1: yeah, well, yes, I mean. The feeling part is the more important piece, right? Because it could be a routine is every Tuesday I go and do this, right? Like, mm-hmm. eh, you know, or, or every day, oh, like my routine of brushing my teeth, right? Every mm-hmm. morning I wake up, I brush my teeth. That's the routine I'm in, right? Or, um, the, the morning routine, the bedtime routine. That's like, I do this, I do this, I do this. And it's a rote kind of action, right? And that's important. It is, it's essential. We all know that you know, teachers, parents, you know, we're all going to know that getting into routines are going to be helpful for organizing and for all of these things. But if it stops at routine, it becomes a little bit soulless, right? It becomes just something we do. And it's less likely to be sustained and maintained, right? Yes. A rhythm is something that has become kind of part of who we are. There's meaning, there's a, like you said, a feeling to it. Ah. And when it becomes a rhythm, it can be, it can change, based on the needs of what's going on, right? Like a routine of brushing your teeth. Oftentimes, like if we come home late, and it's just a routine, ah, don't brush your teeth tonight. We'll do it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes you forget, or you know, you lose it, or it's it's not really internalized strongly enough. So once you move into a rhythm is internalized and you're like, oh, we're, we're late. Let's still do it. Or, okay, we'll miss it tonight, but we'll be back on it tomorrow. And, you know, it's almost like when you, if you, if you miss a beat, you can get right back into it because it's part of the rhythm of your life and it's meaningful. You can come back to it.
0: Well, I hear it too. And I think a rhythm is if you is something you need, right? Like if you create a rhythm of connecting with people and then you miss a week, you are going to feel that need more because we need that for ourselves. And so the rhythm, the routine can teach the rhythm because we need that to survive.
1: Absolutely. Well, and it's, it's funny. It's a, it's an and, it's an and situation because you're going to miss it. If you miss the week, you're going to feel it. You're going to know that, but you're also not going to be anxious about it. Right. Right. That's the thing that's really interesting is you know, it's going to come back. Like the first year of the pandemic, we didn't do our New Year's. And all of us mourned it and we were all sad. And like, mm-hmm. it was, you should have seen the millions of text messages during that time period and the uh-huh. photos of us <laughs> making dinner and, you know, all of that. But there was never a moment where we're like, oh, yeah, but I guess now that we missed this year, we're never going to do it again. There was never that moment. And so mm-hmm. there is, you miss it dearly and it is a part of who you are. And you, you know, and mm-hmm. so that becomes really important. And then the last piece about, you know, moving from rhythm to ritual is this idea that rituals in their base form is when that action that you're taking also has a symbolic meaning that can generalize to other things, right? Yes. And so, yes. you know, I go camping every year with my boys and now if one of them calls me up and is like, hey, that thing we were talking about, it came up again, you know, can we talk next week? Or, hey, I heard, you know, a friend of ours, heard, actually better example is, you know, years ago, had another friend who wasn't really friends with those guys, but he was going through a hard time. So I invited him along, right? Like we Mm -hmm. can do that because it's Mm -hmm. big enough. And there was some grumbling to be honest, but it was there as men, we were able to say, okay, come on in. We need to, you know, this is what we do. We support one another. And, Mm -hmm. And so it can be generalized. The meaning that you make becomes a symbol. It's what we do.
0: It's who we are.
1: Yes, exactly, and that's really mm-hmm. important because the stories that we tell about ourselves, based on what we do, really alter the reality of who we are. They they change who we are, and that's mm-hmm. that's essential. And so, going mm-hmm. back to men and raising boys, that's the you know the stories that we do. And so, what you're saying I really liked, which is you know going back to your question of how. Can women be supportive in this, or moms, or wives, or partners, or whatnot? And that element of let's have a conversations about the the, the household like management, and let's talk about it. Let's create some routines and rhythms around that, and let's let go of some things and take on others. And you know, let's be aware of that because it is absolutely, um, you know, it, it, things work better in partnership. Mm Frankly, And so how do we create that for, you know, the way I often like to tweak some of the guys I work Mm -hmm. with is like, these are the people you purport to say you love more than any in the world. Let's, let's find meaning in the things like a clean bathroom Mm -hmm. or chopping wood or putting away the dishes, because that's what holds our home is what holds these people you say you care about more than anyone else in the world.
0: That makes so much sense. And, and women can think about that too, that whatever is important to our partners, right? Women need to think about that too, because those people are the most important people to us in the world as well. So it needs to go both ways.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, for the record, most... I and, and I hate to do generalizations but I will say typically from the men I work with they will be honest and say their wives do think of them a lot more. They're better at that than they than they are. They'd like to be better about it. Um but the interesting thing is and and this is never an excuse. I think I hear from guys I don't do a good job remembering whatever gifts or cards or to be sweet or whatever because I'm doing X, Y, and Z. And that's when men need to be like, all right, let's slow down and let's go back to what are our values? What are the most important things for us? What are true? Mm -hmm. And that goes back to what you said earlier of like, when we make these change, there's some anxiety because it means Mm -hmm. things might have to alter in the way we do things, in the way we look at our relationship, the way that we spend our time that's, you know, that's a big part of the work that I do in in the coaching program is picking. I have them all pick ultimately throughout the course of the program too, but essentially one action. And the, the, (laughs) the, the first direction about picking an action is it has to be something that you can fit into your schedule already. So it's either not a lot of time or Mm -hmm. something that like, you, you know, if you stop scrolling on your phone, you'd have an extra 10 minutes, but it, it isn't about like, you have to come home work from work earlier. It doesn't mean like you have to stay up later. It does, you know, you have to pick, you know, I've had guys pick literally their action was they're going to leave their phone in the car when they come home from work for the first two hours of being home, mm-hmm. so, you mm-hmm. know? Just one little thing. Another one said when he's like, I thought I always did this, but my have pointed it out. But when my kids come down in the morning, I'm going to stop whatever I'm doing and like give them attention for three minutes. And he's like, mm-hmm. I'm going to be annoying and put a timer on, but I'm going to do mm-hmm. it for three <laughs> minutes. Mm-hmm. And these little things were life changing for guys. They were. I believe
0: that. I believe that. Because it is, it's it's working in the connection. It's working in the connection.
1: Yeah, I have. I'll share it with you if you want. But I, I did a long, a while ago, about a year ago. I made a list of ten ways that guys can can connect with their kids specifically
0: in mm-hmm.
1: efficient, effective ways. And these are from my work with guys over the years. My what I do in the house. And when I was writing it up, I took a stopwatch, and I in one day did all ten. And it was less than 15 minutes. 10 I do the same thing things. for working
0: with women, you know, kind of yeah. high achieving women in leadership. It's the same thing. We need to figure out efficient ways to show our kids that we care and connect, connect with and them. Be
1: there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it is know, so
0: simple. Like the But the People forget doing simple. it with their partner. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: And the test, mm-hmm. I mean, I'll tell you my favorite, and it's the one that I do is and i probably actually told you this during our last conversation but my kids are 14 and 11 and i've never missed a night every night at bedtime the last thing that i say to them is i love you for always and forever you are my sweet one
0: mm-hmm. and
1: they say it back to me and sometimes it's said really fast because we're a little annoyed with each other or whatever. But it has, you know, if they've been away, they were away this weekend and we called each other every night. If I'm camping and I can't call, I leave a note that says that one for every night. I leave a different note for every night. And my 14 year old, I have a 14 year old boy and he will not go to sleep if we don't say that. Mm-hmm. And it is, mm-hmm. it is hysterical because it is sometimes like, I love you. Like it's it's mumbled and it's fast, but it is part, it has become a a, a symbol. It's become a ritual.
0: Absolutely. With meaning.
1: And so it takes, that one takes 11 minutes, 11 seconds.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. And the power of that is going to resonate with him throughout your life and throughout his life. And then throughout how he parents and he fathers his young girls and his boys. And that's where the change happens so that men don't have to live in this man box.
1: And that's exactly, this brings us full circle because yes, I think as men, as fathers, as leaders, we have a really big responsibility to start doing it differently, to, to change the story of what it looks like to be successful, to change the story about what it looks like to be a leader. Um, you know, what it looks like to be a partner. And I think as we do that, we are modeling in very different ways for our um you know for our kids for our sons and daughters right like my I mean it's it's almost trite but my boys see how I treat my wife Mm -hmm. and that's really important because it's been Mm -hmm. it's gone on for generations and I'm not perfect. I don't do it perfectly all the time but the difference is now we've created a space where if I slip, if I am if you know if I'm stressed and anxious and I don't do you know I'm sort of domineering or whatever, controlling she'll say something in front of them in a way that's mm-hmm. kind and generous and connected mm-hmm. and I'll stop oh shoot okay hold on and like they watch this happen right they they they've you know not just watch us argue but they watch us repair
0: mhm absolutely okay jason this was <laughs> genius. One thing I want to say is if you are a man or a wife of a man listening and you don't have 20 years of camping experience with the same crew, it's never too late. It is never too late. You probably have 30 or 40 years, New Year's left or something like that. And, and so I want people to know that opportunity is still there. And actually, I wasn't meaning to lead into this, but if you want help figuring out what that opportunity would mean to you and how to get that opportunity, Jason, how can people find you?
1: Awesome. Uh, <laughs> and yes, I, like, before you I even that say transition? that, I will- that Did was you see nice. that
0: transition? <laughs> Wasn't it good? I know I feel great about well it. Well
1: done. <laughs> and I'm gonna I'm gonna slow it down and just say you're absolutely right. Like I give those examples because they're very stark and dramatic. The thirty years and blah blah blah. But Amanda, like it, it can be small. In fact, it should be small. And it's never too late to say, you know, the bowling league, or or just to get together and have a conversation, or you know, text messaging. I mean. You know, for a long time with one friend, we once a week sent each other like a joke. Mm-hmm. And then once it was there, then if like stuff hit the fan, I could call him because we had more of a connection that was there. So small, regular, consistent. It, it You're right. It's never too late. But to answer your question, um, I, my website is probably the best way, which is journeymanfoundation.com. And it's a really fun one. It's got some some great information there. And it's a link to my blog, The Innkeeper's Journal, which has um, a few articles. There'll be more coming up. But basically, information for men who want to be more connected with themselves, their kids, their partners, and their communities. And so Journeyman Foundation is the best way. Um, I'll send you a link that has the... Um, the PDF with the ways that can be Love connected it. to their kids and pretty much anyone who, 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 who looks for that will also, you know, be in my, uh, my email box and I'll ask you if you want to, you know, have a conversation. And um, I'm also on socials on LinkedIn and, and Facebook and Instagram but I'm having conversations with men all the time. And so if anyone wants to get in on the conversation, you know, certainly let me know. Every other Thursday, I hold an open house on uh, uh, on Zoom. So if any men want to just even ask questions and things like that, I can send the link for that as well.
0: I love that. Jason, thank you so much. I learned a ton. I feel really fortunate that there are people like you out there helping us do better things for our world. So just thank you for being here and thank you for your work.
1: Awesome. Amanda, thank you. And, and as always, I love having our conversations. So let's
0: I know now it. I'm like, I want to have 10 more. Um, <laughs> bye y'all. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to like, and share the active and connected families podcast. If you found this helpful, And if you or someone you love are interested in therapy, you can find out more about our practice at www.virginiafamilytherapy.com. Again, that's www.virginia, all spelled out, therapy.com. Thanks again.